0: Hey, guys, so good to see you today. Good to have you here with us, man. It is so awesome to be in church. Can I get an amen? Yes, good to see you guys. Hey, guys, do me a favor real quick. Right there where you are, why don't you give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can? Hashtag wake the neighborhood. Amen, this is church time, guys, and it's so good to see you today. Good to have you in the house. Hey, do me a favor real quick. If you're watching online right now, I want you to share this. Share it with everybody you can. Share it to your friends. Share it to your neighbors. Share it to your coworkers. And you know those people that you unfriended because of that thing they did. Why don't you go ahead and send them a friend request right now where they are and just hashtag you need this and share it with them also. Man, it's going to be a great day today. It's a great day to be alive as we're celebrating Palm Sunday today. This is the day where Jesus actually was entering into Jerusalem, and many theologians believe that it was up to a million people in and around Jerusalem at this time. Can you imagine that many people, the buzz that was going on, the celebrating that was happening? This was the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and there were so many people there celebrating and waving palm branches, which is where we get the term Palm Sunday from, and they're waving palm And they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So it was a day of celebration. It was an amazing day. But with all that being said, for Jesus, it was actually the beginning of the end of his earthly life. For Jesus, this this week right now that we're coming into, this was the beginning of the end because the events that would take place this week would culminate on the cross and Jesus giving his life for the sins of mankind. What's interesting to me about all of this is that none of this took Jesus by surprise. He knew everything that was going to happen this particular week. He knew all the events that were going to take place. He knew the religious leaders and how they were going to plot to try and kill him and eventually crucify him on the cross. He knew that. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew Peter would deny him. He knew that he would be beaten unrecognizable and then hung on a cross for you and I. The question I have out of all of this, how was he able to continue to move forward? How was he able to continue on with his life, knowing all of this stuff was going to happen, all of these things were going to take place? Can I I answer it for you? It was you and I. It was you and I. He had us on his mind. He had us in his heart, and he went to the cross for all of us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his very best for you and I. And, you know, in the situation we're in right now in our nation, in our world, I've heard people make this comment. Where is Jesus? Has he forgotten us? Has he taken his hand off of us? Has he overlooked us? And can I tell you something? The answer to that question is absolutely not in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says we serve a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. Isaiah 49 says he has inscribed us in the palm of his hand. So every time God looks at his palm, he sees you and I. He has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. He has us in his mind. He has us in his heart right now where you are and what you're going through. So the question today is, how do we lean into him? How do we... How do we? really get into God and get into his word, how do we let this Bible become the compass of our life? How do we let this Bible become our spiritual north star? How can I hold on to God in a time like this when, when the world is literally shut down? How can I do that? How can I get this in me? And the answer to that question is simply, you've got to study it. We're in a series called Word. Come on, somebody say Word. We're in that series right now, and we're wrapping that series up. And what a way to wrap it up by leaning into God, leaning into His Word. And I want to give you today just four ways. How can we hold on to God's Word? How can we study God's Word? Let me give you four quick ways today. Here's the first one, and if you're taking notes, let me encourage you to do that. You know, I've always heard it said, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day. Come on, somebody. When you get my age, you got to have a lot of short pencils, amen? So, if you're taking notes, write this down. How do we study God's Word? Number one, you've got to make it the foundation of your life. Make it the foundation of your life. Meaning that everything in your life has to be built on that. And, you know, it's interesting because the foundation is is the most important part of a structure. But it's also a part that oftentimes you don't see. It's, It's hidden. It's under the ground. But it is so important. Let me just say this to you. The truth about a foundation is simply this. Write this down. The quality of the structure is dependent upon the foundation that you build. Come on, getting a little preachy already. The quality of the structure is dependent upon the foundation that you build. What does that mean? It means the quality of your marriage, the quality of your life, the quality of your emotions, the quality of your finances. It is all contingent upon how strong the foundation that you have built on in your life is. So we want God's word to be foundational. We want this to be our compass. We want this to be what we build our lives on. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So right there, he's saying, hey, I don't want you to just be hearers of the word, but I want you to put into practice these words. Put them into practice in your everyday life. Let them become a part of your everyday life. And when you do that, he said, it's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And it's interesting because the Bible calls itself a rock. The Bible calls itself a strong foundation. And interesting enough, that very next verse, this is not in your notes, but Jesus comes in and Jesus says, hey, I've got some bad news for you. Storms are coming. Storms are coming. Storms are going to come. They're going to beat against your house. And the only people who are going to stand are the ones that have their foundation built on the rock, on God's word you know right now in our nation not only our nation in our world we are in a storm we're in a battle if you want to be honest about it and I don't want you to fall I don't want you to collapse but the truth of the matter is so many people today are falling so many people are going by the wayside because their life is built on wrong things and what am I talking about let me just give you a couple wrong things that you can build your life on the first one is reason reason. In other words, let me, let me think it through first. Let me give my opinion on it. I know God's word says this, but, but I want to give my opinion on it. And, and you understand when you, when you do that, you develop a mentality that says my truth is greater than the truth, the truth of God's word. That's the mentality that you develop. When, when, when I want to reason it, when I want to give my opinion on it, hey, I know the Bible says this, but can you really trust it? I mean, it's an old book. It's kind of outdated. So I want to give my opinion on it. And as a result of that, we have a, a, a culture of people that are redefining things that God is not silent nor is he unclear about. We have people redefining marriage. We have people redefining sexuality. And yet the Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end, it leads to death. Can I tell you something? You can't build anything on reason. Anytime there is a conflict with something that you think is right versus God's word, you say something right and God's word says something different. Listen, don't go with you, go with God. Why? Because God is bigger than us. God is stronger than us. He's smarter than us. So let's go with the smart one, not us. So don't build your life on reason. Here's the second one. We try to build our lives on feelings. Feelings. And can I just tell you something? Can I be honest with you today? This is the most ridiculous thing to build your life on is feelings. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, it must be right. And I want to be very clear about something. I want you to lean in right where you are right now. Your feelings will lie to you all of the time. All of the time. I mean, feelings are wonderful, but you can't trust your feelings. Matter of fact, if you try to go with feelings rather than God's word, chaos will always be right around the corner for you. And it's interesting because we see a prime example of this in the Scripture, in the book of Judges. And in my opinion, Judges is one of the most chaotic books in all of the Bible. And it was a time in Israel's history where where the people didn't have a king. They didn't have anybody to tell them what to do. And they didn't want God as their king. And so the result of all of this, the last verse in the book of Judges says this. At that time, there was no king in Israel. There was nobody to tell them what to do. They didn't want God as their king. And as a result, the people did whatever they felt like doing. And you can read about the chaos that ensued because of all of that. And so I want you to build a foundation. I want you to build your life on God's word. But, but I want to be honest with you. When, when, when you open the scriptures and you start reading this book right here, you're going to have to come to grips with two questions. The first question is simply this, what do I do when I read something I don't understand? What do I do when I read something I don't understand? I open my Bible, I get to a place and I'm like, "Mm, God, I don't know about that. At that point, you've got to decide God's word is true. And I don't have to understand it in order to agree with it. His word is true, so I'm going to stand on that. Listen, if everything in this book could fit into your brain, then God is the size of you. And some people are okay with having a God the size of them, but I like having a God that's bigger than me and smarter than me. I like having a God who says that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. I like having a God who knows the beginning from the end. I like having a God like that. And so if I'm opening the Word and I'm reading the Word and I run across something, I'm going to research it. I'm going to ask the questions. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say, God, I'm trusting you and you can explain it to me later. Because you have to understand, you're going to be reading some things in this book and you may not fully understand everything But you gotta say, God, I'm trusting you. Here's the second question you gotta come to grips with when you start studying God's word is what do I do when I don't like something I read? Come on, talk to me a little bit. What do I do when I don't like something I read? Listen, you don't have to like it, you just have to obey it. Come on, somebody. You don't have to like it, you just have to obey it. Because sometimes I'm gonna open up the scripture and I run across some things I don't quite like. I don't like 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 13, where God says, I'm going to wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish. Come on, holla. All you ladies just got a word right there. And my wife is in the other room saying, hey, there's the scripture. You need to get up and do some dishes. My kids don't like it when I quote Proverbs to them and say, Son, if I spare the rod, I'm going to spoil the child. They don't like that, but I want you to lean into me right now. Hear me today. I'm not trying to adjust the Bible to fit me. I'm trying to adjust me to fit the Bible. Come on, are you with me? I'm not trying to adjust the Bible to fit me. I've got to adjust me to fit the Bible. So I don't have to always like it, but I'm going to trust God in all of these things. And I guarantee you, when you look at this and say, God, I'm building my life on your word. Let it be the foundation in my life. It changes everything about you. So if you don't get this first one, I got to be honest with you guys, the next three really aren't going to do you much good at all. So number one, how do we study the Scripture? How do we hold on to it and get it into our hearts? We've got to let it be the foundation of our life. Here's the second one. It's got to be the first part of my daily life. The first part of my daily life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says this, Seek first. There's something about the first part of our day, the first part in our life. Jesus loves first. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Watch the wording here. And all of these things will be given to you as well. And you may read that and you may be wondering, what are these things that he's talking about? Well, if you read much of Matthew chapter 6... It's talking about worry. It's talking about your needs. So if you've got some stuff going on in your life right now, if you've got a little worry happening, and if you've got some needs that need to be met right now, God says, hey, if you'll seek me first, like don't go after your needs first, go after God first. And if you'll take care of God and go after God, God will take care of your needs. In other words, when you focus on God, God focuses on you. Not only that, but I want to introduce to you something that I didn't come up with it. I wish I did, but I want to introduce a concept to you called the first 15. You can Google that and read it, but it's called the first 15, and it's talking about the first 15 minutes of your day. So let's break this down into three segments of five. So here's what I'm going to do. Number one, I'm going to spend five minutes in the Word every day. When I wake up, I'm going to spend five minutes in God's Word. And some of you may be saying, well, pastor, that sounds great, but I I just don't have five minutes and I don't even know where to start. Can I encourage you? Just open up the New Testament. Start reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read something from God's Word. You say, well, ah, that's good, but I don't have that kind of time. I've only got like three minutes. Well, open up the Psalms and read one psalm. Some of you are like, well, I don't have three minutes. I've got like a minute and a half. Well, read a proverb, brother. Amen. Read something. In other words, I would rather you read one sentence every day than read nothing. Some of you are like, well, I don't have five minutes. Well, you know, the cool thing about technology is they have a Bible app now, and you can put that Bible app on your phone, and you can listen to the Word while you're driving down the road. Here's the thing I want you to get. When your eyes first pop open in the morning... I don't want you to look and listen to news media. I don't want you to look and listening to social media. I want you to look and listening to God's media. Because when you do that, here's what's going to happen. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So now I've got wisdom for the appointments that are ahead of me, for the job, for the school, and all of these things. So I've got to spend five minutes in the word. Here's the second one. I've got to spend five minutes in worship. Five minutes in worship. And I don't know about you, but if your kids are home like mine are, my kids are quite honestly working my nerves. So every once in a while, I've got to put on some Jesus music. And when I do that, it soothes the savage beast inside of me. Come on, somebody. Some of you right now, you parents, your arm is wore out. Your rotator cup is about to go out because you've been doing that all week long. Put you on some Jesus music and let it soothe you. Psalms 34.1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. So I'm going to get into the word five minutes. I'm going to worship five minutes. And then I'm going to pray for five minutes. For some of you, this is no problem at all. For others of you, it may be a little bit of a stretch. But listen, when you have that kind of time with God, when you give God 15 minutes of your day, I'm telling you, it's going to change everything in your life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything. We're living in a time where people are anxious. People are a little worried, a little fearful right now. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And let me tell you how powerful this is because there's the promise that comes right after that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Who doesn't want that? And so you may be saying, are you kidding me? If I spend five minutes in the Word and five minutes in worship and five minutes in prayer, that's really going to change my life? Absolutely. Let it be the foundation of your life. Here's number two, is you've got to make it the first part of your daily life. And then here's number three, you've got to make it grow deeper in your life. Make it grow deeper in your life. Like you determine how much of God and how much of his word gets in you. Colossians chapter three, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I want to give you just an illustration, if I could, real quick. I've got a glass of hot water here, and I've got a tea bag. This tea bag represents God's word. This glass of water right here it represents our hearts, our lives, our soul, and we want to get you some dips in your life. For some of you, you're like a, a one dipper. You know, you just kind of dip it in, and you've tuned into church online, and you're watching it, and you're hearing me preach, and 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 you know, you just kind of dipped it one time, and you pull it out. And really, if you think about it, it's not really tea. It's not really much of anything. But there is a little bit of change. I mean, I. I I kind of wish my message would do a little more than this, but <laughs> this is the best we got, amen? So you're kind of a one dipper, but we want to get you dipping more. So we want to get you to dip a little bit more and let that sit in there a little bit. And then you kind of pull that up and then you dip it again and you pull that up and you dip it again and you pull that up and, and, and you notice something happening. You're seeing some change right before your very eyes. And that's what we want for you. We want to get some dips in your life. So how do I do that? Let me just give you a few dips that you need to get in your life right now. Number one, you need to get a Bible translation that you like. Get a Bible translation that you like. People ask me all the time, what is the deal with all of these Bible translations? Well, you understand the Bible was not written originally in English. The Old Testament was in Hebrew, the New Testament was in Greek, and I don't know about you, but I don't really know anybody that walks around speaking Greek and Hebrew all day long. I just don't. And so we had to have some English-translated Bibles, and one of the most popular English-translated Bibles, it wasn't the first, but one of the most popular ones, is the King James Version, the King James Version, and that was actually printed in 1611, and I love the King James Version. I've got several copies at my house, but the problem with the King James Version is it reads like the people that lived in 1611, and so they had some more translations to come out, and when you talk about translations, there's really three different types of translations of the Bible. Number one, there's textual translation translation. And that means that this translated word for word. There's some examples in the screen in the lower thirds right now for you. The second one is the dynamic translation. And that's more of a thought for thought. Again, there's some some illustrations for you there. But then there's the paraphrase translation. And the paraphrase is basically they've taken English Bibles and they reset it even easier. And one of the most popular uh, paraphrased Bibles of all time is the Message Bible. And it's good for devotional reading, but it's a little bit different. So in other words, some of the other translations have said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You open up the Message, and the Message Bible says, dude, let's go to church. It's awesome. So it does read a little bit different, but the translations are great. Get you a translation that fits your life. Here's the second dip. Get a study Bible. Get a study Bible. I'm probably one of the only pastors going to te- that's going to tell you to get off digital. Nothing wrong with digital. I've got Bibles on my phone and my iPad and my apps and everything. But I love to get a study Bible. I love to get some paper in my hand. And a study Bible is where you've got the Bible at the top half and a commentary at the Bible, bottom half. Open that Bible up. Read it. Highlight it. Mark it up. And some of you are like, huh? are you serious? I need to highlight and mark the Bible? Yes. Yes. The more you mark your Bible, the more your Bible marks you. So get you a study Bible. And then here's the last one, the most important one, is get involved in a bridge group. You can call it a small group. You can call it a connect group. We call it a bridge group here. And let me just encourage you right now, our bridge groups are still open. You can still get involved right now. If there ever was a time where you needed to get a group of people around you, that time is now. And when I say that, they're all meeting on Zoom right now. We're using technology for our benefit And so you need to get around some people because, listen, there's going to be some things in this scripture right here you're never going to understand until you get in a group, people that are like-minded in your faith, and you can talk about the scriptures. You certainly can't raise your hand during a sermon or a message and say, hey, I've I've got a question for you. So this is a dynamic that you absolutely need in your life is to get into a bridge group. And so let's look at this now. We've got a translation dip. We've got a study Bible dip. We've got a bridge group dip. And now look at what we've got right here. Look at what we've got. Now we've got tea. We don't have water anymore. Now we look like the author of the Bible. Now we're taking on the form and the shape of God's word. It is in our hearts. It is in our lives. It is a foundation for us. It is the first part of our lives, and it is growing deeper inside of us. But then there's one more, and that is number four. It becomes a weapon for the challenges of life. It becomes a weapon for the challenges of life. Jesus said, you're going to have some storms. You're going to have some challenges you're going to have some things that's going to happen. They're going to come up against you. They're going, to, they're, they're going to try to knock you off course. There's an enemy of your soul that wants to knock you off course. But you've got to have a weapon. And what is that weapon? What does it look like? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Come on, turn to somebody right now and say, you got to dress for the battle, boo. you got to dress for the battle. So that, watch the wording here, so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And so when you start reading Ephesians 6 and you start reading about all of the armor that it's, it's talking about, you need to put on, you, you need to wear, you're like, hey, what, what is this weapon you're talking about? Well, it, it tells us what that weapon is in verse 17. It says, take the sword of the Spirit. What is that? That's our weapon. What is that? That is the Word of God. What does that mean, Pastor? That means you you got to have a few verses in your arsenal you got to have some scripture inside of your heart to help you combat the enemy of your soul that's coming against you. Those storms that's blowing against your house right now. The, the storms that our nation is in right now. You've got to have an arsenal inside of you and that's God's word. For some of you right now, you're in a financial challenge. And it's tough. I know it is. You're wondering, man, how are we going to make it? How, where, where's the income going to come from? You need to have Philippians 4.19 in your arsenal. You know what that says? That says, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. Maybe you've got a family member, someone right now that's sick. And and listen, when we get someone in our family sick, we, we believe in carrying them to the doctor. We believe in giving them medicine. But I'm also quoting Psalms 103, verse 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Maybe you've got some fear going on. It's a scary time. You know what? You need to have Psalms 27.1 in your arsenal. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Pastor, what do I do when I come up under attack? I feel like I'm under attack right now. You need to have 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 in your arsenal that says greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. You need to have Romans eight thirty seven in your arsenal that says you're not just a conqueror but you're more than a conqueror to him that loved you. Yes, a scripture in your heart. If there ever was a time that we needed to lean into God's word. That time is now. How do I hold on to this? How do I make this the compass of my life? How does this become my spiritual north star, if you will? You make it the foundation. Everything in your life is built on it. You let it be the first part of your daily life. You let it grow deeper inside of you. And you take some of these verses and you use them as a weapon. Put it in your arsenal. Some of you right now, you're saying, man, I, I just don't know what to do. How am I going to make it? How am I going to come out of this? Can, can I just give you a scripture that you can hold on to? Psalms chapter 119. That's the, that's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Psalms 119 verses 9 through 11. How do I make it? How am I going to come out of it? How are we going to survive? Is everything going to be alright? Is everything going to get back to normal? I don't know what's going to happen. How can you hold on to God's word? How can you study God's word? How can you do that? Here it is. How can I overcome? By living according to God's word. Living according to his word. David goes on and says, Hey, I've taken this. And I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against God. On this Palm Sunday when Jesus come riding into Jerusalem He had you and I on His heart and on His mind and He still does today. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at? Where are you at right now? Where are you at with your walk with God and your relationship with Him? God loves you. Can I tell you something? He hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on. His eyes are on you. He's just knocking at your heart. He says, hey, I want a relationship with you. Hey, I've got a destiny for you. I've got a a plan for your life. Would you just be willing to open up your heart right now and say, Father, I need you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I resign today as the CEO of my life, and I give you everything. Guys, if you've prayed that prayer right there, right now in the chat box, why don't you let us know, hey, Today is a great day. I've received Christ. I've prayed that prayer. I've resigned as CEO of my life. I'm going all in for Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer, let me be the first one to say, praise the Lord for you. Guys, we love you. We don't want you to fall. We don't want you to collapse. Build your life on God's Word. Let it be a foundation. Let it be the first part of your daily life. Let it grow deeper in you and let it be a weapon for the storms of life. Guys, I love you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for moments like this. Our desire, God, is, is always to be together, to be assembled together, to be in your house, but Lord, circumstances beyond our control are keeping us from that. But, Father, we thank you for moments like this. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to come together, all of us online, all over the world right now, leaning into you, leaning into your word. Father, we thank you for these moments. Thank you for those who have made the decision today to say, I'm going all in for Jesus Christ. I'm giving him everything I've got. I'm not holding back anymore Thank you for those. And God, we pray for healing in this land. We pray for restoration in this land. And Lord, we give you our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody all over right now online, give God the biggest hand clap of praise you can. Come on. Hashtag wake the neighborhood. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, we'll see you soon. Love you. Be blessed.